1: Welcome back to a special edition of Tennis Unfiltered. It falls outside of our weekly schedule because we've got the Australian Open draw in front of us and there is nothing we like more than going line by line through a draw. I've got George Belshaw, tennis writer, and our resident tennis coach, Calvin Betton, here with me. I'm James Gray of inews.co.uk and the iNewspaper, and this is Tennis Unfiltered. Right, we're going to start with uh, the British players, because <laughs> Todd Woodbridge was presenting the draw yesterday, and he <laughs> he said there was an audible gasp from the British journalists on more than one occasion, which is true, because as I wrote on Twitter, this was an absolute car crash for the British players. Um, we obviously have three very good unseeded players, and there is a 25% chance that you draw... Um, that you draw a seeded player if you are unseeded. Uh, Unfortunately, all three of the male unseeded players drew a seed. Uh, We start with the big one, Jack Draper playing Rafael Nadal, the top seed and defending champion, in the first round. Jack Draper is making his debut at the Australian Open. He made his debut at Wimbledon in 2021 by playing Novak Djokovic in round one, and now he's got Rafael Nadal at his first Australian Open. I dread to think what happens when he goes to Roland Garros for the first time in a couple of months. Calvin, uh, I said to someone yesterday that Jack will have seen this draw and actually quietly fist-pumped.
2: He'll fancy his chances, won't he? I think he'll win. Um, the way it's yeah, the way that uh, Nadal started the season, the way that Jack started the season. The only sort of caution I'd put on it is that Jack's still in the tournament this week, and Mm. historically, the people who go deep the the week before a slam tend not to be at their best in the slam. Mm. Um, But Nadal, and you know, Nadal's looked nothing like in the matches he played at United Cup. I will caveat with say with saying that last year before the Aussie open he lost to Andy Murray in a um exhibition match in i think maybe dubai or somewhere mm. um and looked terrible in that as well and then he ended up winning the aussie open yeah. um but i i genuinely i think i'll be picking jack uh, in my fantasy tennis uh, as an outsider
1: Hashtag Unfiltered Fantasy Tennis, um, which yeah. is the hashtag if you want to join in on social media and let us know how uh, you've picked your team and what you've what you've gone for. Uh, if you want to join in with Fantasy Tennis, it's on our Twitter, Unfiltered Tennis, uh, and you can get involved. You've got until 10pm on Sunday night UK time to get involved, because obviously the tournament kicks off about an hour after that. George, do you share Cowan's optimism about Jack Draper taking a, a on dumb?
3: I share his optimism that he couldn't be playing rafa at a much better time
1: uh the one the one,
3: one thing i would say is that and and this is is always a bit of a funny disputable stat in some way but nadal's got a, a remarkably good record against left-handers and the reason some will say he's got such a good record against left-handers is because he's never had to play himself but even <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a very very good record um he isn't often troubled by them. And I think, you know, a lot of lefties cause righties trouble from that very dynamic of being a lefty. Now, I don't put Jack in that category because Jack's a very good, talented player. But it it will be an interesting dynamic that sometimes when you're a lefty playing a lefty, it, it can be a tougher match for you as a lefty um, if you're not used to it. And Nadal is very experienced in those sort of matches. And I'm not, not sure where Jack's experience sits on that sort of things or at this level. But look, you know, we've just seen Nadal lose to Dimonor and Norrie. I think it's the first time he's lost from a setup up twice in a row in his career, something like that. You know, he's had a lot of bad matches towards the end of last year. The one thing you'd say is he will have been pleased to get those kind of longer hours on court, I think. That was probably the best thing he's had from his Australian Open preparation, but we're in this territory again where we're questioning Nadal. But, you know, last year we did and it didn't seem like he was coming into this tournament in great shape and he went on to win it so you know I'm, I'll am believe it when I see it these guys are so good at getting ready for the slams themselves that I'm still just about backing Rafa but I won't be picking either of them in my fantasy tennis
2: Um, I think the thing what concerns me as well is it's not just last week like when was the last time that Rafa played a match where you thought I'll tell you what Rafa looked good today like, yeah it's been, it's, true. it's been a long while Well, I, it's people, been yeah. like even in the French which he won didn't look
1: great yeah he he, yeah he's lost six of his last seven matches which i i can't think i'm fairly sure has never happened in his professional career i mean a quick skate through maybe when he was younger like 20 years ago but even then he was picking up slightly more wins than that i'm i'm looking back at when he lost to alan mackin calvin do you know alan mackin
2: i do yeah (laughs) um Yeah, he's from Scotland. <laughs> he beat Nadal in 2002. <laughs> yeah, I think Alan was about 21 and Nafa was about 13, I think. Or something like that, <laughs> <wasn't he? laughs> I'd quite like but, to um... talk to him
1: about that. That'd be quite funny. Um, anyway, i yeah, but... um, got distracted story. I, I have one or two stats just to throw in here, um, which is Rafa's record against left-handers. His, his record, career record against all people is 11-48 and 2-4-3. Uh, which is a winning ratio of about 4.7 and his record against left-handers he's only lost 18 matches so that's 124 wins and 18 losses and that's a ratio of 6.8 so he's got an elevated record against left-handers by by quite a significant margin Um, and the last left-hander to beat him though was Cam Norrie.
2: Yeah I, I I still think that we can't I largely see that as being quite irrelevant because it is not the Nadal of the last 20 years. Yeah. The last sure. 15 years it's you know it's a completely different Nadal that we've got. But also there's been no left-handers like Jack. Jack hits the ball huge. Mm. He moves great. He's got a huge serve. He's he's solid mentally. He'll yeah. he'll believe he can win yeah. which is which is a key thing against Nadal. If Nadal was going up against somebody like I don't know say he was going up he couldn't do because of the CDs but say he was going up against somebody like city pass I'd give I'd give city pass a less chance than I'd give Jack of beating him just because there's too much scar tissue mm. with 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 city pass or any of the younger guys whereas Jack's got this phenomenal belief and physically he's huge mm. he's absolutely huge so rafa's best shot which is whipping it up cross court is just going to land right into jack's wheelhouse mm. I, I do I, I don't think he'll batter him but i I think he'll beat him
1: uh, the thing I always say about Rafa is it's so hard playing him for the first time. You know, he, the, the mental kind of, uh, Taylor Fritz said a good thing in the Netflix documentary where he said, this is the biggest match of my life. And for Rafa, it's just another match. And that is always true when you're playing one of the big three, basically or big four, I suppose. Um, uh, but as you say, Calvin, Jack does have a phenomenal self-belief that, that does change that dynamic a little bit. Uh, there's also a little bit of news from Jack's camp. He's got a new fitness coach. The um, story that I broke, I suppose, this morning um, is that he's well, working then. with. Thank you very much. I mean, it's been all over his Instagram. No, Just no one noticed. Uh, anyway, he's working with a guy called Dejan Vojnovic. Now, what's really interesting about him, or well, there's lots of interesting things. He used to work with Laura Robson back in the day. He's also worked with Dinara Safina, Dominika Kilkova, and more recently, Brandon Nakashima and Marin Cilic. Uh, Dejan Vojnovic is a double Olympian. And I don't mean he's been at the Olympics twice. I mean, he's been at the Summer and the Winter Olympics. He ran the 100 metres at the Sydney 2000 Olympics, and he did the four-man bobsleigh at the 2006 Turin Winter Olympics, which I just love. I mean, I respect anyone who's got that kind of commitment. He also did long jump. But he was national champion in long jump in Croatia. So
3: he, he can join the list of athletes we were talking about last week Last week of uh, good cross-discipline... Um...
1: Yeah, and actually I had a a, a listener came up to me at the Australian Open, Um, he's also the Times' tennis correspondent, so (laughs) (laughs) there's quite a lot of reason for him to be there, Uh, and he said one person he thought of when we were talking about that last week is Marty Fish, uh, who funnily enough we were talking about, but not in that context. Uh, Marty Fish apparently is a very good golfer and did play a tour event, Um, he got a wild card in, but wasn't far away from making the cut, I believe. So he is um, very good. Yeah, he's a very serious golfer.
3: The, the other thing I was just going to throw into the mix that would make me a little worried about Draper and backing him is he's in danger of falling into the classic Australian Open, another Grand Slam trap of doing well at the tournament right on the eve of the event so i think he's in the semi-finals in adelaide right now just said that uh, you, you know
1: yeah calvin did say this. yeah yeah he made this yeah. point very oh, sorry very absolutely <laughs> um yes he he is, I the, apologize. he is in the semi-final but by the time you listen to this he will probably be in the final because he's playing <laughs> uh sunwoo kwon who he absolutely gubbed in adelaide the week before um, and then I can't exactly remember. I think Kokanakis is still in Adelaide. So I think he'll probably play him in the final. But uh, I wanted to bring up the fitness trainer. Well, because... We had Evo last year, didn't we? Yeah, we didn't he won a t- actually won a title. Um, the other semi-final, by the way, is Kokanakis, Bautista or uh, uh, uh The reason I brought out the fitness trainer is because of exactly that. He's going to come in having... He's been quite ill. Um, everyone at the Battle of the Brits got ill. Apparently Joe Salisbury got everyone ill. Um, that's, <laughs> that's the story going round. And that's the second time in three months that Jack's been really quite ill. And I think that has maybe taken a little bit out of him, albeit, you know, his form in Adelaide suggests that he's working his way through it. But yeah, he's probably going to arrive in Melbourne on Saturday or Sunday. It's not been confirmed yet, but I'm guessing Rafa's going to be on Monday because Djokovic has got a hamstring concern. And I think they'll give him a Tuesday start, which means that Nadal will have to be a Monday. And that obviously is not going to suit Jack at all. Heck, he might come in, and as Calvin says, he might he might well beat him. But it's just it's another little frisson to what is a fascinating matchup. Do you, do you tank that match
3: today? If you're if you're oh, doing, I would I would have tanked you, yesterday. Or do you
1: kind of go? I literally said I literally said he was because um, he was served for the match against Hatchinoff and got broken, or maybe he served at four two and got broken, and he was furious. It's quite funny. He went to his towel and. Trots, his coach, just sat right next to the towel box, and Draper just screamed the f word. Like I've not really ever seen him get quite that angry on court. And Trotz just sort of nodded quietly and smiled at him. <laughs> it's quite funny. But yes, he, I said when they broke back, Hatchinoff broke back. I said, to, I said to whoever I was sat next to, um, he he should tank this, like a hundred percent tank it. But of course he didn't because he's a pro, and he's chopping people up for fun.
2: It's also, you know, you got to remember as well, it's two fifty title and. They're seeding for such as um, Indian Wells and Miami and yeah. that kind of thing. You know, it's, I don't think it's in the mentality of of certain players, and I'd put Jack in that. <laughs> yeah, to tank ever. I just don't think it enters the mind.
1: Yeah, and it would be a first ATP title, which you know is a big yeah. deal. Um, anyway, let's move on because, as I say, it was a car crash for all the Brits, pretty much, um, barring maybe Emma Cardi, but even that wasn't very good. We'll come <laughs> on to her later. Um, Kyle Edmund is up against Yannick Sinner. So, uh, welcome back to the Australian Open three years later, uh, Kyle, but I think that might be the end of that. Incidentally, um, for people who follow me on Instagram, they'll already know this, I went and watched Yannick Sinner practice the other day, and I was stood right at the edge of the baseline, and he was just doing forehands out of the forehand corner, so he was about three feet away from me. Bloody hell does he hit it hard. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen someone just like objectively hit a tennis ball so hard. It was horrendous. Um, Anyway, Kyle Edmund's got to deal with that, so uh, I don't think that's going to go brilliantly well. Andy Murray has also got a seed. He's got Matteo Berrettini. Um, Calvin, Murray's been going on for a while, a good 18 months about how he's desperate to get his ranking up so that he can play his way into Grand Slams a bit more. I mean, uh, (laughs) it's a shocker, isn't
2: it? He kind of is, but also he was fuming. When did he play? Was it uh, at... um, US Open. Open. It was his last Grand Slam match, yeah. He was fuming that he didn't beat him at the U.S. Open. Yeah. I think he thinks he's got his number. He should have. Now, him. Hmm. yeah. Now, whether he has got his numbers a different matter. I mean, let's be straight as well. This is not Berrettini's. This is not the Berrettini of eighteen months ago um, yeah. of Wimbledon 2021. One. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's still playing to a decent level, but it's not that version. But I, I think Murray thinks he's got his number. Um, mm. Now, whether he can transfer that into it playing the way that we know Andy's going to come out and play um, I don't know hmm. but I don't think he'll think it's a terrible draw
1: It's also worth noting that Berrettini ended his season early last year with a, a foot problem, he pulled out a Davis Cup final and obviously he did play United Cup um, and got to the final with Italy but you know it, it, it's just another frisson, something else that Murray might try and latch on to um, he's had a reasonably good week actually he beat um, Zhang Zhizhen and Alex de Manure at the Kuyon Classic, which which is an exhibition, but I always say an exhibition four days before a slam has a little bit more to it, because Murray's not there to hit front-facing tweeners and piss around, you know, he he's there to get some serious match practice in, and, and similarly, even Lendl said as much, he said, you know, nothing beats competitive practice, but this is as good as it gets.
3: I, I once backed Marin Cilic to do really well at Wimbledon, having watched him hammer Nadal at uh, I think it's <laughs> him uh, ah, yes. a few years ago, and then he went out. He went out the second round, and I was like, <laughs> "For God's sake!" But, but that day, I was supposed to Cilic, just had a quick chat afterwards. He was like, "I was like, oh God, Marin, you played really well today. You look really good." He's like, "Yeah, I feel amazing. I'm like really, really ready. I'm peaking at the right time." <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> you know? sounds so, up, yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, yeah.
1: It, incidentally, you reminded me the Pinch one of bit bit of news that. What happened between this and the last podcast? Um, Manchurch is out of the Australian Open. He's got a knee injury and he's pulled out, um, which is great news for Botech van der Zandschult because it meant he went from unseeded to seeded. But there you go. You want, you want to say probably something? Probably right? n- I wouldn't describe
3: it as the only piece of tennis news between then and now. That's obviously.
1: true, yes. <laughs> no, congratulations to Naomi Osaka, uh, who has announced that she is pregnant, which is why that she pulled out of the Australian Open um, and rendering a couple of think pieces about her. Quietly quitting, slightly irrelevant, but uh, it's been the talk of the press room, I can tell you that much. Um, let's move on to the other Brits in the draw because there are five of them in the men's draw. First time since 1988 that we've had five men in the Australian Open main draw. Dan Evans has got Facundo Bagnus uh, with potentially Daniel Galan or Jeremy Shardy waiting in the next round. Cam Norrie has got the wild card Luca Van Ash who's got the uh, reciprocal French wild card, Um, and I think he's got Montero or Les Gen in the second round. Go on. Um,
3: Van Ash for for a time, was quite highly rated. Um, Maybe Calvin will be able to tell us a little bit more about him, but there there certainly was a a period where he he was really bigged up as quite a, a very talented young player and someone. So I'll be quite interested to see how... He looks against Cam, but maybe Calvin can tell us a bit more about Van Asch.
1: Yeah, he won the um, French Open Boys title in 2021. He beat Arthur Feese in the in the final. I don't know if he's someone you've seen a, around the circuit, Calvin, Luca Van Asch. I mean, he's he's still 18 and still fairly young, but he's obviously up against Norrie in the first round.
2: I don't know much about him, no. Um, if... Arthur Feast would have beat him in the final then I would have known a lot about Arthur Feast because he's playing in Portugal where I am this week (laughs) I um, see unfortunately it didn't so I I can't offer much on Luka Van I'm afraid
1: well thank god we went through all that um, getting you off mute and getting your mic in the right (laughs) place for that insight that's (laughs) Hugh, what an what an absolute startling podcast this is! It's going really well. Um, and Dan Evans, <laughs> Fancundo Bagnus, I think we probably all expect Evo to beat Bagnis in the first round. There, um, I'll speak to Dan Evans a bit later on today, and we'll see exactly what kind of shape he is in. But he's got Andre Rublev slated in the third round, which I think is going to be a pretty tough matchup for him. George,
3: should we do our uh, five reach out second round or not for the men? Quick, quick, yes or no? So, Draper, Draper, Nadal. So Calvin's going Draper. Who are you going, George? I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Nadal because I'm a, a cautious optimist for Draper, but like to cover my own back and not get teased <laughs> on social media for saying uh, Nadal's gonna lose.
1: <laughs> I'm also going to lean Nadal. Uh, Murray versus Berrettini. Calvin, one word.
2: I think Berrettini beats him again.
1: George.
3: murray i'm getting murray i don't know why i i'm always wrong with
1: him but yeah i,
3: I think he should beat him in some <laughs> ways. is
1: anyone picking carl edmund to beat yannick sinner no
3: what did you pick for murray berrettini
1: oh good point yeah i'm picking berrettini sorry I, i'm not picking murray okay, berrettini. uh georgie it's georgie you haven't given an indication on edmund Sinner, definitely. Yeah, I think we're probably all in agreement there. Like like it's not it's no slight on Kyle. Yannick Sinner's is a, a top player and Kyle Edmund hasn't played in the Australian Open in three years. It's just just facts. Uh, Evans, Bagnus, Calvin.
2: Uh I think Evans will win that, but I don't think it'd be a s you know Ever matches are never straightforward are they? Just, <laughs> like just the way he plays and that. And Bagnus is no mug, but yeah. I think he lost too much for him. George saying... he had a bad bad the... result last week today against uh M- McDonald, wasn't
0: it?
3: The only thing that makes me go against Devo is every time it looks like he has a really nice draw at a slam, he then seems to lose first round. So, but I am <laughs> going to go Evo. in uh, spite of
1: that. And Cam Norrie against Luca Van Asch, George. Just as you take a really big Norrie. Sip a drink, Norrie, yeah, very good, yeah. I'm Norrie, sorry.
3: but I'm intrigued to see Van Ash and see what
2: hype's
1: about. Uh, Calvin same same answer?
2: Yeah, and will win that, I think. Yeah.
1: Good, so how many have we got going through then? Uh, I think the majority say we've got Evans and Norrie. It's not a great start for the Brits, is it? Uh, Let's move on to the Brits in the women's draw, of which there are only two. Uh, Harriet Dart and, of course, Emma Raducanu, who I watched practice on Thursday, and it was the best I've seen her practice all week. She was um, much higher energy, skipping around much more looked pretty comfortable with the ankle albeit with one or two tentative moments as you might expect but yes I, I've no doubt she's going to play for people who are worried that she might pull out I'm, I'm I would say I'm 85% sure at this stage that she's going to play uh, in the first round where she faces Tamara Korpach can anyone tell me the most interesting thing about Tamara Korpach No, well done, uh, everyone. (laughs) As Some eagle-eyed or eagle-eared listeners will remember that she played doubles with Harmony Tan at Wimbledon last year. Well, actually, she didn't because Harmony Tan pulled out an hour before the match uh, but then miraculously Um. recovered from the injury to play Serena Williams on centre court. And Tamara Corbatch went mental on Instagram and uh, it was incredibly tasty tea. Uh, which was spilt everywhere. Uh, She's also She won her first uh, WTA title in September. She won the WTA 125 in Budapest. She's never won a main draw match at Grand Slam. She's never played the main draw of the Australian Open. George, I mean, I spoke to a few people close to Raducanu earlier this week, and I think they just said, well, just don't draw Shontek, and she didn't draw Shontek, and I think this is a pretty darn good draw, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think if you're... You sometimes think when you see someone, oh, they've never been past the first round of a slam, you think, oh, how old are they? You know, how long have they been on the tour? This is a 27 year old singles player who's not yet got past the first round and not been to many first rounds in there. So, yeah, pretty perfect draw for Emma. Note of caution, obviously, about her fitness and where she's up to at the minute. Um, second round would be great in terms of putting a spotlight on the event if we got Redakanu Goff. That would be a really, really nice match to build up to, but we'll see. We won't count our chickens knowing the women's game.
1: <laughs> I have to, I have to say, I I looked at the draw and said yes, it's a great first round, but like you really like, there's probably only two or three women that you don't want in the second round, and like Coco Goff is one of them. You know, Shontek being the other one. So I think she could have done a bit better there in terms of draw, but I also think probably on form and fitness that second round is probably the median result for Raducanu at this Grand Slam anyway so maybe playing it against Goff is, is good for the game Calvin do, do, do you think Emma if she gets through against Goff has, has any chance of an upset
2: Um, no I would, you'd have to make Goff favourite wouldn't you yeah. um, Goff played some good tennis at the minute as well and yeah. Emma isn't playing much tennis
1: No, no, she's not. That's true. Uh, The other British girl in the draw is Harriet Dart, and I'm sorry for calling her a girl. I know there's a couple of listeners who think that we should be calling them women, and they are right in fairness. Uh, Harriet Dart is playing Jill Teichman, the number 32 Swede from Switzerland. Uh, If she gets through it, I think she's in quite... You know, She obviously steals her draw, um, but then could face uh, Maria Sakari in the third round if she gets that far. George, I was having a conversation about Harriet Dart the other day, and sort of in comparison to all the other British women, uh, unfortunately none of whom made it through qualifying, Uh, both Jodie Burridge and Lily Miyazaki, uh, got to the final round of qualifying, but both lost. Um, Harriet Dart has squeezed the lemon. Like, she has, you know, she's got obvious limitations, she's very small, she's got a poor serve, but she absolutely scraps, doesn't she?
3: Yeah, definitely, and yeah, I mean she's done incredibly well we said at the end of last year that she'd had a really good year in terms of high profile victories compared to a lot of other british um female players at the minute yeah. um and male players for that matter actually but um you know she she's done amazingly well even to become a top 100 player with a limitation so everything from here is a bonus i'd be pretty shocked if she won this match I think Tightman's a pretty good professional, she's had some good wins under her belt the last couple of weeks, like Anisimova Pavlyuchenkova, you know, good solid top 50 top as high as, you know top 20, top 10 players so, yeah, Tightman's going to be tough, tougher to come through and I don't think Dart will come through it and, you know, there have been a few matches at Grand Slams where she's looked very, very short in the past mm. if her opponent plays well but she's, you know she's in decent enough form herself giving a good account of herself on the tour most of the time now so yeah we we can see but i i, I don't think it's going to be a, a gloriously blissful australian open women's singles draw for the brits i'm afraid uh
1: yeah i think you're probably right although i would caveat that with harriet dart is so much better as an underdog than a front runner um she at the us open you will remember she beat daria kasatkina in the first round which i don't think any of us predicted And she then drew Dalma Galfi in the second round, which looked like a really kind option because she'd pinched to the seed's draw. And she lost four in love. And she was, I mean, I spoke to her afterwards. She was in tears, just absolutely gutted. And rightly so. And I I think she loves being the underdog, but actually them being the favourite is so different.
3: I think this is just a symptom of the women's game at the minute there. I mean, like when I'm looking through the men's draw the australian open thinking about fantasy and just preparing for today you know you, you can see immediately in the men's draw where the gaps are where the you know the pockets of weak players who you'd be really really surprised if they went through you try and do that in the bloody women's game you're like oh my god you got Muguruza sat there and seeded just as a random hole who knows where she's going to be at there's so many players that you just you, you can't even begin to predict what that player is going to be like at this tournament and that is of the draw. The only players you'd kind of give some level of consistency to right now are Fiontek and Goff. Mm. And that's about it. Every other one, I'm like, God knows who's going to turn up to this tournament. So, yeah, I mean, from that perspective, Dart's always got a chance. But I do actually think Titan's quite a solid player who I don't see having too many drastically bad matches, which I think will kind of take her through in this one. But. Mm -hmm. I've been wrong many times before, so we'll see.
1: You have. We've yet to see Harriet Dart um, in tour action, although, she was obviously um, part of the uh, United Cup team that did reasonably well for GB, um, and so there's there's some positives there, and I'm sure she'll take a lot from that that run. Um, if we, I think I know what everyone's going to say, but I suppose we should do our, you know, two first round Brits predictions. I'll start and say that Emma Raducanu will beat Tamara Korpach. Calvin, do you share my optimism?
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know much about Korpatsch, but I think that Emma will win. Yeah,
1: George,
3: I'm tempted to take the retirement. To be honest, is that really bad to say? <laughs> I mean, I, I, no, I, I mean if that's what you think, it's but like fair... I would caution I think you Emma wins it. if she's fit. But I, I think she might go out from a fitness perspective. So I'll Mm -hmm. I'll take it from that side, even though I think she's comfortably the favourite. So you're taking Corpathy. Both are healthy,
1: Uh, and I I assume George, uh, based on what you've just said, then you are predicting zero British women in the second round.
3: I am, and I'm certainly predicting zero British women in the third round if Rob Carver does come through.
1: I think if we have zero in the second round, it's pretty sure we'll have zero in the third round. I think that's that's definitely a good <laughs> prediction. Calvin, are you giving, giving Dart any chance to get a tight win?
2: I think it's a close one. Um, I'd say it's 60-40 in tightman's favour, hmm. um, but yeah, I think tightman will win.
1: That's the problem with tennis. There can only be one winner. Well, As I always say, every match is 50-50 because you either win or you lose, but Apparently, that's not how probability works. Right, after the break, we will run through the draw line by line. We'll look at something for Novak Djokovic and decide just how easy that draw is.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're hear in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to
1: Tennis Unfiltered, the Australian Open Draw edition, with me, James Gray of iNews.co.uk and the I newspaper. Calvin Betts on the tennis coach and tennis writer George Belshaw are here with me. We are going to go through the women's draw first. Um, after looking at the specific draws for the Brits, I thought we'd um have our way through the women's draw uh, we're gonna. I'm going to caveat it by something that probably all of us will say or allude to at some point in this podcast is the women's draw is mental and completely wide open and almost all predictions will be wrong, that said I think we can probably safely assume that Iga Shontek is going to make it through uh, her quarter she's got uh, Hul Niemeyer in the first round, the big serving German uh, she might then face Camille Soria who is a decent young player but probably not enough to challenge her uh, Buskova or Andrescu in her third round and then a potential quite interesting fourth round either against Danielle Collins or Elena Rybakina if they both make it that far. George how does that look to you? A fairly straightforward uh, quarter or eighth I should say for the most consistent player in um, women's tennis?
3: I mean Andreescu is one of those players who sits in my camp of if she can get anywhere close to where she was before she could be a serious threat to Sviantec, but there's not been enough evidence to suggest that's going to happen. And C- Collins beat Sviatik, didn't she last year in the in the semis? And that she was battered.
1: Big, no, she battered her. A big big six and, Six and one.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a really odd match from Sviantec. Played very, very strangely, and really, the occasion kind of got to it, which hasn't happened much since. Let's put it that way. Um, but I would still favour this Fiontech against anyone in the draw as a whole um, certainly in this section. I mean Ribakina has obviously shown she's capable of winning a Grand Slam but not much since she actually won one so I'm not just not convinced she'll be flying through either but yeah they're, they're the names aren't they? Andrescu, Ribakina, Collins who are the threats in that section but still backs Fiontech to kind of come through that.
1: I, I know it's not her favourite surface but I also think like Buzkova if she uh, got going then I think she's got a chance of maybe causing a little bit of a problem, but I don't know, just just one that stuck out to me. Um, she's in the same camp as Karolina Mikova, and not just because she's also Czech, but um, I don't know. Just just names that jumped out to me. Um, Calvin, the next section is Radakanu's and Goff's. Uh, the, the big draws uh, in here are Bedosa, Goff, Ostapenko and Zheng Xinwen. I, I would suggest that there are four quite talented Tennis players there, albeit Paula Badosa has inhabited the body of a less talented tennis player over the last 12 months. I mean, do, do you see any chance of Coco Goff not coming out of that section?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, because purely sometimes she underperforms at the majors, mm. but she's got a lot better at that. Yeah. I'd, I'd back her to come through it. Um, but it's not unfeasible that she won't. Like, mm. I don't think there's any chance that frontet won't come through, but um, there is a chance that Goff doesn't.
3: Sick. So- Sinia Kova's not not the most straightforward first round either. I mean, you know, she's not one of the world's greatest players, but she she well, I mean, she is she
1: literally the world's greatest doubles player. Great doubles, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she is Singles, world number, like number one, one in doubles. Um, um, she's got the incredibly yeah, weird service action, hasn't she? It's it's she yeah, sort of lays the racket out really early on. I, I don't really know how to describe that. But she, you know, she does this very, very early in the service action, and then um, I'm gesturing on video that obviously George and Calvin can see. But uh, when you see, we're loving it. (laughs) Also, I don't have any of the technical terminology to explain exactly what she does. But anyway, um, yeah, probably not a hugely straightforward first round, but. I think you probably still think she'll be fine. I watched her practice with Jessica Pegula the other day and it was very impressive. Like she was hitting the ball extremely well. And she obviously just has won a title, but she's won a title in the right week, which is the week before the week before the slam. Um, and she didn't even drop a set. I think she didn't even drop more than four games in a set in Auckland.
3: Yeah, uh, we, we didn't actually talk about this last week, did we? Because we got a bit kind of bumped out away from the actual tennis last week. but. I found it quite interesting. That was like only her third title, and she's been winning one every two years. In some ways, like I'm surprised from her perspective that when she kind of won that title quite early on in Lintz, I think was her first title. um, She it felt like she was going to be quite a relentless title winning machine, and would really kind of build on that kind of winning mentality. That even though there's been decent results elsewhere, it, it, it feels a little bit odd to me. She's not kind of kept that habit going if that makes sense so I think that's something I'd like to see Goff do more is obviously win more titles but you know even the lower level ones I think there's something to be said for just actually blitzing your way through and really kind of picking up that momentum and building that kind of aura of invincibility which she still is some way off getting compared to say a Sfiontech, who can rattle off 37 wins in a row and pick up five titles in the process
1: Mm. I know what you mean. It, it. It's a bit like when you read, like, I don't know, David Goffin's title count, and you're a bit like, oh, like, sure, how has he not won more? And it, like, she's obviously not been around for as long, but it's the same kind of slightly surprising number for someone that we think is, is pretty good. Uh, right, let's move on to section three of the draw, which is where we find the number three seed on the world number three, Jessica Pagula. Uh, she's got um, Christiane in the first round, Jacqueline Christian, the Romanian. Uh, could face Brenda Frivatova in the uh, second round, who made it through qualifying, who's only 15. She's one of the very highly rated Czech sisters. She's yet another Czech teenager with a big future in the women's game, which is basically the whole WTA these days. The others in this section are Amanda Anisimova, Barbara Kachikova, Petra Kavitova, yet more Czechs, as you notice. Um, There's
3: four Czechs in this section. Yeah, which is pretty
1: it, it's crazy. absolutely relentless. Check it out. Um, Thank you very much. Uh, George, Jessica Pagula is... I mean, I wouldn't call her a dark horse because she's literally the number three seed, but I've been thinking that she's someone who really could win this tournament.
3: Yeah, you may remember I felt she was going to beat Fiontech at last year's US Open when they were kind of, due to me, I actually kind of fancied her as one of the few players who could beat Fiontech, and I was sort of proven right five months later when she thrashed her at the united cup um yeah look i I think she's that that doesn't prove you right at all doesn't count (laughs) No,
1: i predicted something would happen and then in a totally different context it happened but five months later (laughs) that's not that's not a win
3: well i think the 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 broader point was that i think pagula's one of the few players i'd look at in a swion match at the minute and be like I'm not 100% sure, or, you know, 99% sure Svantec's going to win that at the moment. All right. I think she's plenty some good stuff. So, yeah, she, I like the draw, really. Um it, Yeah, I think Krichikova's the only one in there I'd be looking at and thinking if if she's close to what she was before, there'll be a problem. I've not seen Kvitova near the, her best level for a long time, Um, you know, unless this 15-year-old Czech sensation is absolutely ludicrously good, right now, this second, which I'm sure sure she is good, but there's Pagula level of good versus good to kind of make waves on the tour good. Um, Yeah, I I think Pagula will come through this one fairly unscathed. Although Samova, you never know, as well, just as a final name.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen a little bit of Amanda. Anna Samova in the last couple of weeks. And I know I know. Calvin always says she doesn't live the life, but she's she's played quite well. I mean, there's a couple of decent results in there. She beat Teichmann, uh Sorry, she lost to Teichmann, um in qualifiers in Adelaide, but then beat Samsonova, um, which I think is not a bad result. She's someone who people rate quite highly. There's, a, there's been a bit in there. Calvin, you've definitely got something to say about Anna Samova.
2: I saw she um, posted something on social media yesterday or the day before that suggested she's injured again. She said something like, um, when you're putting your body through it and it's just not happening or something. Mm, that's um, interesting. Can't news. remember that it was Twitter or, must have been Twitter, I think.
1: Well, that might be a little tip for uh, fantasy tennis fans. Hashtag unfiltered fantasy tennis. So maybe she, I mean, I th- mm, interesting. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, let's move on because we're not making enough progress through this draw. Not quick enough progress for my liking. Uh, Intersection four, which I'm going to make our one-word section uh, completely arbitrarily. The seeds here are Madison Keys, Azarenka, Teichman, Sakary. Of those four seeds, George, you can start. Who is coming through? Oof. Tough. That's, is that my one word? Uh, I mean, yeah, fine, yeah. I mean, it's a classic Belshaw <laughs> uh, prediction. <laughs>
3: uh, I am going to stick with Sakura, I think, but uh, Keys and Azarenka
1: are also tempting me. Great, and well Teichman, done. to be fair. <laughs> so, what you've done there is picked all four of them. Unbelievable, Calvin. Can you can you maybe stick to the brief? Any better than George?
2: Um, no. Give me the names again:
1: Sakur, Keys, <laughs> Azarenka, Teichman.
2: I think Zachary will come through that.
3: The, I... the, the other name you've left out there, James, is not seated, but I might. My... Change my view to is uh, tom
1: lanovich i mean that is literally what i was going to say um so thanks oh All sorry James. Yeah. <laughs> no it's fine yeah she is unseeded she's playing nadia podoroska and first... she's only just unseeded by the way it, it, if it was last week she would have been seeded um but she missed out by two places which is pretty brutal but she is going to play the winner of azarenka kenin which i mean look, it's a fair azarenka kenin. then yeah, well, I know. It's a shame, isn't it? But that's <laughs> thats two Australian Open champions playing each other in the first round.
2: Um, the only two in the draw, apparently.
1: Crikey, I suppose they are. Um, I saw that earlier on. And also, you say Sophia is going to lose, but she's in Hobart at the moment. She's won three matches in a row. I can't really remember the last time Sophia Kenin won three tour matches in a row. I think it's probably a very long time. Uh, she beat Ju, Zenevska mm-hmm. and uh, Kalanina is a decent win in three sets. So she's playing um, Cotieretto today. So, I mean, she might curse herself by winning the tournament. But, you know, it just suggests that there's something something brewing there. I think that's probably, well, I hope it's a first-round match to watch because I think it'll be quite intriguing. Right, into the bottom half, uh, the fifth section. Uh, we've got two top ten seeds in here. Kudamatova and Kasachkina have also got Karolina Pliskova, um, Zhang Shui, Petra Martic is in there as well for Petra Martic fans. Um, the ever-watchable Yulia Putintseva, who's playing Serana Castella, which I think would be quite a fun first-round match. But um, I think overall we probably expect Daria Kasatkina who, who had a pretty good year last year, barring one or two surprises such as losing to Harriet Dart at the US Open, um, I think probably expect her to come out of it. George, you're wincing.
3: I am wincing. I think I think this is a really weird section. So weird that I'm almost backing Carolina Pliskova to come through. Well, that's I think horrendous. Pliskova can sometimes, when you least expect her to do well, is when she actually does do quite well. And I I I quite fancy this draw. I, I think it's a pretty weak section. It's somewhere I'll be considering for my fantasy bet, but I'm not sure who will take advantage. But I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't place much money on relying on Kina, and I certainly wouldn't on Kudamatova. I think this is a pretty weak seed section, to be honest. So I, I think Pliskova's got as much chance as anyone to kind of actually do well here. But I wouldn't be surprised if this was like qualifier city, to be honest.
1: Well, yeah, Katie Volinets who has the, the like Katie Volinets could only ever be a tennis player because her name is Volunet. Um and she's got Yevgenia Rodina who has played one Grand Slam in the last four years because she obviously took three years out of the game. So anyway, uh, we'll move down to section six where we've got Annette Kontovite, uh, Ekaterina Alexandrova, uh, Irina Camelia Begu, and the much easier to say Caroline Garcia. Calvin, Caroline Garcia, I think maybe won the WTA award for most improved uh, last year or something similar. I mean, do you think she's the kind of player, do you think, uh, uh, I'll put this another way, is she just someone who's got quite a high ceiling but isn't necessarily going to produce it all the time? Or is she actually someone who is now going to be an established top 10 player, do you think?
2: No, I think it's the former of those two options. I'd mm. say that all the players who were are listing now, once you've got Pashvontek and maybe Goff um, and one or two others, they're all into that. Um, this is why I'm predicting the women's draw is so difficult. Mm. Because historically, anybody can beat anybody. Mm. Mm. It just never goes to plan with seeds. Just never does.
1: Hmm. George, do you feel the same way about Caroline Garcia, or have you got more confidence in her longevity in the top ten? Um, I mean, if, if, purely in terms of this tournament, I think the
3: second round's tricky, like Fernandez or Corne. I mean, hmm. I wouldn't. Yeah, Corne is an absolute nightmare bank. draw. Yeah. I wouldn't bank on Garcia beating either of them earlier in a in a slam, and that's nothing against Garcia. I just think those two. Are Dangerous floats sitting around there. I mean, this is another section of the draw that it feels like Garcia is probably head and shoulders above the rest in some perspectives, but I wouldn't <clears throat> wouldn't take anyone with great confidence here. Nice to see Taylor Townsend kicking around again. Um, she's always fun to watch. If you get a chance, to have a go at her and Diane Parry first round, double wildcard match. That, uh, yeah, nice watch... to see Townsend have a run.
1: Yeah, and why is Diane Parry so good to watch, George? Single-handed backhand
3: single-handed backhand yeah yeah. and so serve volley single-handed backhand two things that don't happen enough in the women's game yeah that is going
1: head-to-head absolute throwback match i mean it'll be on some random court that i don't know where it is but i will definitely try (laughs) and get there uh right we're almost at the end of the women's draw uh arena Savalenka, elise merton's who's (laughs) elise merton's drawn garbina muguruza which is absolutely horrendous Um, Martina Trevisan and Belinda Benchich are the seeds here Uh, a few other interesting names here Camille Georgie is in this section I uh, saw her walking freely through the Australian open grounds the other day I was walking behind her um, and I noted that there was no police escort or um, border force officials Uh, you may be aware what I'm alluding to here is that Camille Georgie is currently under investigation uh, by the Italian police for obtaining a false Covid pass which would suggest that she has potentially deceived her way into Australia last year. She denies all the allegations and it is still under investigation but it, it's a heck of a story that is gathering pace. Anyway, that's not tennis related. Uh, Calvin, usually this time of year I say, oh, it's about time arena Sabalenka won a slam, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think she'll come through that section. She's in decent form. Um, mm. Seems to have settled a bit more. Her serve seems to have settled down which was a nightmare about a year ago. Mm. Uh, um, but yeah I think she comes through with that
1: she got to the final of Adelaide 1 uh, incidentally uh, where she lost to Linda Noskova who sound the talented Czech teenager klaxon uh, because Linda Noskova had an incredible she, so because of the way the rankings work and because your entry ranking is taken six weeks before the tournament she is ranked 56 in the world and she had to come through qualifying and she lost in qualifying what, what are you doing George? I think Sabalenka won, didn't she? Uh, yeah, Savalenka did win. What did I say?
3: So she lost. Oh, I thought you said she lost.
1: All right, well, I mean, you know what I meant. Everyone else knew. Come on, move on. <laughs> uh, anyway, what I wanted to say was Lyndon Oskar had an incredible week where she beat Potapova, Kasatkina, Claire Liu, Azarenka and Ons Jabor on the way to the final. She's an unbelievable player and she turned up to have to play qualifying uh, in the Australian Open, and she was absolutely knackered, and she lost to actually uh, Catherine Sebov, the Canadian, who did actually end up qualifying for the main draw. So it's a real shame not to see Lyndon Oskar, who people may remember, played Emma Raducanu at the French Open last year as well. Um, but anyway, I'm getting distracted because Arena Sabalenka won the title in Adelaide, and as you say, Calvin, is is in good form. George, do you have any any names in that bit of the draw that make you think, no, Arena Sabalenka won't make it? I would argue that one name that does mean that is Arena Sabalenka, but, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I am actually inclined to agree
3: with Calvin on, on that I mean as I've said before Magruta you never know who's going to turn up but typically recently it's not been a good version of Magruta which probably means she will now go and reach the final but uh, Bencic does have a habit of just pulling a quarterfinal out of a draw when you're not necessarily backing her so always dangerous and Pavly can occasionally mix it as well but yeah I think Sabalenka's playing well and got a good enough draw there to come through.
1: Right, into the bottom section, uh, where obviously we find the world number two and number two seed, Ons Jabeur, who I mentioned there after losing to Linda Noskova. <laughs> I went and watched Ons Jabeur practice at three o'clock in the afternoon on Wednesday, and it was about 33 degrees, and I stood there for three minutes, and then I said, nope, this is entirely too much, and she was grinding away for an hour. I actually think it's it should be illegal to make tennis players play in this heat. It's completely ridiculous. Anyway, uh, she's got Tamara Zidanchek in the first round, which is quite an interesting little uh tester early on. In that section we've also got Kaya Kanepi, uh Ludmila Samsonova and Beatrice Hadadmayer, as well as the other Fruvitova, uh, Linda Fruvitova, who is the older Fruvitova. She's seventeen, Brenda is fifteen. Um George Kaya Kanepi, the the constant tricky first round. Uh she's playing a wild an Australian wild card called uh, Kimberly birrell I do not I d I don't I don't claim to know anything about but she could be on Jabour's third round opponent which is quite intriguing.
3: Yeah. I th- I think this is a good draw though for Jabour as a whole. I like this section. I,
1: I have I to disagree. Half... I have to disagree. Like Do you? can well can because, because I think of... Zidane's
3: tough but I think the rest of it
1: I'd back Jabour as she grows in. But like because of the way the draw is set, uh the best that the The best seed that the number two seed can face in the third round, I think, is 25, because they rigged the draw. And, like, Kaya Kanepi, I think, is the strongest player in that section of seeds, like, the hardest player to play, uh, compared to, like, Buzkova, Mertens, Begu, Anisimova, Zheng, Kanepi, Piskova, Taichman. I think Kanepi's quite bad. And then Beatrice Hadadmeyer is, like, one of the scrappiest and most improved players on WTA in the last 12 months.
3: Never done it at a slam, though. She's never been past second round of a slam had admire So, mm. you know, she's she's one of those who comes in the category of doing well outside the slams, but can't handle it there at the minute. Um, right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of players in there who, you know, even Kanepi, Kanepi's been known as absolute giant killer over the years. Sometimes when she's heavy favourite in an early match doesn't quite go so well you know her record against top 10 at slam is as good as it is outside that so yeah i i think if it, you know if it was Kineppy was 33rd in the draw and was playing jabal first round i'd say that's a horror show but i, I kind of find, i think Furitova might come come through that little section which i'm not saying is easy but i'd, I'd give her a decent decent shot coming through there um and then that there's people like Stevens, Vecic in there who've had their day but don't seem anywhere close. I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel any of the seeds are that strong and the rest of them, like Vondra as well. I mean, you never know what you're going to get, but probably not much. So, yeah, I think Zidanecek arguably the hardest one in there for Jabbour who could catch a
1: cold. Um, so there's a qualifier in there that I know a couple of very knowledgeable people on Twitter are quite excited about, which is Oksana Selekmetova. Uh, who is 19, she's from Russia. Uh, she won two Grand Slam doubles junior titles on different surfaces um, and also got to the final of the Wimbledon doubles juniors. She's got had a decent record in singles juniors as well. Um, I think she's ranked 180-odd in the world, but she's pretty much only in her first full WCA season because she was set back a little bit by the pandemic um, and obviously being Russian made life a bit difficult for a while as well. So, just keep an eye on her. That's all I'm saying. Right, shall we move on to the men's draw? Um, because time is against us, as it always is. Like a never-rolling tide. Um, I think we'll start at the bottom, because I don't want to talk about Nadal straight out of the, the blocks, as we've already talked about him a little bit. Um, Ruud, number two seed. Uh, he could, incidentally, be world number one. There are four different people who could be world number one um, by the end of this tournament. Uh, Tsitsipas, Djokovic... No, so Sitapas, Nadal, Alcaraz and Kasper rud incidentally. But they basically all of them except Alcaraz need to win it, essentially. Um, Kasper rud Alejandro so Djokovic can't go past him? I don't think so. I could be wrong, but I'm fairly sure that he can't. Anyway, uh, Kasper rud Davidovic, Fikina, Bautista Agut uh, and Berrettini, who obviously as discussed has... Um, Murray in the first round. There's also a cracking match here, which is uh, Tanasi Kokonakis against Fabio Fonini, which will probably be on a, a quite rowdy, reasonably sized, but you know, outside court, and I think might get a, a decent crowd in. Oh, it might be on Labour. Who knows? I could be wrong, but I'd be surprised.
3: Probably the third one. What's the third one called? High sense. Fifteen seventy-three or always... Kia. Oh
1: yeah, that used to be High Sense, and has changed to Fifteen Seventy Three. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's not um, a good call for the Aussies. G- George Casper Rude, um, someone we've come to think of as very consistent, uh, and for when people see the Netflix documentary, someone I've come to think of as quite angry. Um, is there any any demons in here for him?
2: Yeah, I mean,
3: the, it, I, think it, I think I'd think i back him comfortably to get to the fourth round, I would say. But, it, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a funny section, isn't it, really? I mean, there's the odd little liar, like even kind of Jan-Leonard Struff coming in as a qualifier. You don't really want to play him in the first three rounds of a slam. He plays Tommy Paul, first one. That's a bit of a, a banana skin for Paul. Davidovich, Fakina, Bublik. you know, these are random people. You never quite know what you're going to get.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> Davidovich Fekina against Bublik, by the way, that is going to be another absolute that's firecracker. Two <laughs> <laughs> complete lunatics.
3: Yeah, it'll be a good one. I just, I kind of just feel everyone in this draw, apart from Rude, is lacking that little bit of consistency at the moment that makes me kind of fancy him a bit more. But there are players in there who, if they have their perfect day, can definitely beat Casper Rude. But he seems to have become solid enough that I'm going to elevate him to feeling fairly confident about him reaching um,
1: the quarterfinals. And if he reaches the quarterfinals, he will play the best player coming out of Section 7, which involves Taylor Fritz, Mir Kekmanovic, Diego Schwartzmann, Alexander Zverev. Um, they are the seeded players. You've also got David Goffin in there. Um, the GOAT is there as well, Tseng. Uh, Nikolas Basilashvili, the WOTE. Um, <laughs> Calvin Taylor Fritz is someone that people, well, in fact, people I've mean, me, been uh have been suggesting is going to put a deep run together at a slam. Is this is this the one?
2: I mean, it's a nice draw he's got there. It's probably mm. the nicest section for a seed. I don't see, you know, when you're other seeds, Zverev, Zverev's yeah. just I, I'd be surprised if he wins a match. Mm. Um, he's, he's got way, he's yeah. got, the got the lucky loser. loser.
1: Yeah, various But you're I feel. I feel like Farias has recently done something quite significant in the first round of a slam, and I realise that's quite weird, but I, I can't... Oh, here we go, yeah, he went five sets with Felix at the French last year, um, and was yeah. two sets up, actually. I mean, uh, that felt much more like Felix than Farias, but... That yeah. was definitely more Felix, I remember that. I
0: remember,
1: <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so we think Taylor Fritz versus Casper Ruud in the quarterfinals. I mean, that would be a tasty match as well, like against two real. I mean, I'm going to say up-and-comers. Casper is number two in the world and beat to a slam final, but you know what I mean. He hasn't won a slam yet. Uh, right, yeah, section. I, Sorry, I, I don't. I
2: don't, scenes... think Kasper, I don't think Casper. I don't think Casper Ruud makes the quarterfinals.
1: you uh, I, I mean, who do you think beats him?
2: Fakina? No, Berrettini? you said Berrettini, was it? Berrettini, yeah. yeah. Berrettini or Murray. Whoever wins that match will beat him. Rude's record against like top ten players is terrible. Hmm. And I, I think I he's over he's definitely overranked at number two in the world.
3: All right. I feel let's, like uh, I watched Rude put Murray to the sword not long ago, maybe on yeah, I No, mean, he did, yeah, in San Diego a mm. few years ago. But um yeah, I, I think on this on this section they're going back to this if if Zverev had played more than well, if he'd even played a match since the French Open last year, I'd back him to come through this section. I think it's a really weak section. Um, he has yeah, he has played a couple of matches, pick.
1: hasn't he? Has he not played like... Um... He didn't play United Cup, did he? I don't um, think so. I thought he... I thought he played... <laughs> yeah, he did play United Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I stuck with the United Cup. Yeah, he lost twice. Anyway... Um... Let's move on to Novak Djokovic, shall we? Because we've we've gone on long enough without talking about him. He's got Roberto Cabayas baina in the first round, um, who none of us expected to lose to. He's then either got Hugo Dillian or... Is that Enzo cucao I'm fairly sure it is, yes. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov is his third round slate. Uh, and then either Duminor or Karenia Busta. Uh, Calvin, this looks like a very kind draw for the nine-time champion who does not need a kind draw.
2: Yeah, no way he's not coming through that. Absolutely zero chance he's not. Assuming he's fit, I think even if he's not, <laughs> it's,
3: it's really hard to see Djokovic losing a match in this entire bottom half, isn't it? Really? <laughs> I mean, I'd be absolutely stunned if Djokovic isn't a finalist at this tournament.
1: That, you, you heard it here first. Um, if he if he is to face a tricky match in the quarterfinals, it would be against one of Holger Rune, Nick Kyrgios, Dan Evans, Andre Rublev. Um, I mean Holger has been playing very well George and, and has beaten Djokovic recently.
3: Yeah. Not
1: over 5. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just no way. Um, um, okay. Who's coming no, through I, that I, section then? I mean th- there is some very tough too of us. <laughs> I think there's some very tasty uh, matches in this section. Uh, I mean Dominic Team against Andre Rublev in the first round. That's a shocker of a draw for team, isn't it? Team Fan George. Sad times, sad times. But Mm. you never
3: know. Rublev can throw it around. Team was growing end of last year, so we'll see. Um, But yeah, I mean, look, could have Kyrgios Rune round three. That'd be pretty good. And I swear we get Kyrgios Humbert pretty early at so many slams. That's always a really good match. That's second round, potentially, if he can come through. That does. Yeah,
1: that's the the problem. I know it's only Richard Gasquet, um, but Hugo Humbert, his form is atrocious um he end. he I think he ended last season with some horrific run and then he has played two matches so far this year and lost them both like mm. for a guy who i seem to think about a year ago we talked about him quite a lot because he's an interesting player and he's a little bit different but he had an absolutely awful 2022 so yeah. i i think it might get kyrgios gaskey which uh, i'm not particularly interested in watching to be honest <laughs> Um, but Kirios Rune in the third round would be an absolute pearler. Yeah, with the winner facing Rublev or.
3: Who knows? Dan Evans? You never know.
1: I just can't. Or see... team? <laughs> you never know. I can't see Evo beating Andre Rublev. Calvin.
2: Um, I can, yeah. Really? He's been him before. Yeah, he's been him before. It's not a terrible matchup. Right. He definitely yeah. fancies that he can beat him. I think he might be twice before.
1: Yeah, I think you've yeah. got a point there. Actually, I think they might have. I think he might have a decent uh, head-to-head record against Rublev. So, all right, well,
2: maybe, maybe I'm pessimistic.
1: Of, of it's, the, it's three and three, incidentally, are head-to-head.
3: Yeah, of the top eight seeds, probably Rublev's as good a matchup as Evans would hope for. I'd say, to be
1: honest. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Uh, all right, into the top half of the men's draw. Um, the bottom of the top features Felix Auger-Aliassime. Uh, he's got his uh, countryman Vasik Pospisil uh in the first round uh francisco sherrandola is there uh, borna chorich Norrie as well as i mentioned uh, interesting unseeded players in here i'm not sure there's too much wuyi bing is a, the chinese player who's got a wild card um he's playing mute in the first round george felix or nori feels like the the one i mean quite an interesting match for nori that if he gets felix in the fourth round
3: yeah it'd be i think this is a good draw for for both of them the the player maybe who might be a problem for nori prior to that is church i mean he had a few very big wins last year and he's, he's a very capable player when fit um so i think that'd be a good a good standard of a third round match if we got that um yeah i mean the rest of the draw i don't really fancy at all uh, i has had some Decent first round results over the years. So that's not an easy first round draw for Felix in years gone by. But Felix seems to kind of have turned a, a bit of a corner, doesn't he? So uh, I think he'll really fancy his chances of going to the quarters. And it's it, probably very good for the game if Felix can have a, a good tournament
1: here and really have a good year as a whole. Yes, one of the big stars of the uh, Netflix documentary as well. Calvin, if we get Norrie versus Felix. Um... Where's your money?
2: Uh, that would be on Felix. Um, I think he's due, due a big one at one of the slams. Um, this could be it. Especially, is that, are we in the top half? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah there's
1: bottom of the top. Yeah,
2: I could, I could see someone, anyone can come through that top half. Hmm. And, and and he could be as much as anybody.
1: Yeah. Uh, if we move up to section three, it's Stefano Sitsipas's, um section, uh, he's got Quentin Alice in the first round. Uh, his seeds are Botik van der Zanschulp, who, incidentally, the guy doing the draw yesterday absolutely butchered. He did the thing that you do when you, you know you've got a difficult name to say, you take quite a big breath. So he went, Botik van der Zanschulp. <laughs> Completely <laughs> butchered it. The only other person that everyone does that with is the uh, former Iranian president, which is Ahmed Ahmedinejad. And you you have to do a breath before, otherwise you just can't get through it. Lorenzo Massetti is in there, and Yannick Sinner as well. As I mentioned, Sinner's got Edmund in the first round. Um, Would anyone like to pick who's coming out of this section? Because I am struggling.
2: Sinner, I think. Yeah, I think Sinner.
1: I just... Yeah, I I hate the phrase, he's due one, but he absolutely is. Like, did he get to the quarterfinal of every slam last year? Or maybe just three out of four. I don't think he made the quarterfinal of the French. No, you got fourth round of the French. You just feel like he's ready now. I, I, he, and he had looked, a lot of close
2: matches him. in some of them. Hmm. I just don't trust Pass in these. It might be Pass that comes through. You know, he's probably overall he's the best player, but you just can't trust him in these sort yeah. of tournaments. Uh, it's,
1: it's Sinners it's had quite match hard points. to see. Sinners had match points in some quite big matches. Like had match points against Alcaraz. He had match points against Djokovic at the French as well. Like, it's just I'm just worried about that pattern, George.
3: Yeah, I think. He, but in this yeah. section, I don't really see too many. I still would struggle to see him beating a Djokovic or even a Medvedev right now, probably in mm. in a really big match. But as Scouter says, yeah, Sissipas just doesn't seem kind of quite there at the minute. That said. I find it hard to think Pass is going to lose to anyone before that fourth round. I really, I mean, couldn't have got a better draw than Hallis, Antman, Hijikata, Greek Spore, Kotov, Ivashka and Van der That is really about as good as it gets hmm. in terms of a first three rounds of a slam. Um, I, I, I'd be interested to in see how Massetti goes. He's it, kind of caught me a bit surprised in being this high-seeded, to be honest, 17, like... He's someone we've liked for a long time, but I hadn't, I hadn't quite clocked the progress he'd made of, of, of the rankings to be taking such a high seeding. Um, um, the
1: only concern is he's not fit. Um, he, yes. Yeah, he retired during the um, the United Cup final. I mean, it was said to be a precaution and he was already a set down and, you know, two weeks before a slam. But uh, yeah, he's got a shoulder problem, which I think may be an issue Um Anyway, I, I would be slightly concerned about that for, for that reason. You... Uh, George, time is against us, so I'm cutting you off. Sorry. I'm sure it wasn't worth listening to anyway. <laughs> um, section two uh, is tasty. Daniil Medvedev, Seb Korda, Denis Shapovalov, and Hubert Herkach. Calvin, that, that list of names all being in one section of 16 players, you, you've got to think that's that's going to throw up some real matchups.
2: Yeah, you went through them pretty quick there. Can I have them again? The
1: <laughs> Herkach, Shapovalov, Korda, and Medvedev.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. Everyone a bit up and down on form there, mm. I think. Um, you'd have to favour Medvedev, I think.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, You know, we've we've sort of hung Medvedev out to dry a couple of times on, on the pod, and, you know, quite rightly in some ways, but, George, you've got your, your lips stuck out like you think he's not going to do it. No, I, I think he's... I,
3: I'm picking him to reach the final, and... With consummate ease, actually, I quite—I don't—I don't—I'm I, not actually that troubled by any of those in his draw. Um, to be perfectly honest, I—I I, I think I genuinely think the draw looks okay for Medvedev on the whole. Nadal's kind of nowhere near where we think he should be, so that's a pretty good guy to have, kind of in your semi-final lineup. I'm not sure I beat see him beating Djokovic, but hard court slams Medvedev's pretty pretty consistent and has been over the last four years you know the guy he lost to last year was Kyrgios you know that was Kyrgios in a very good moment still a very tight match um obviously against Nadal but if you track his hard court slam record over the last couple of
1: years it's it's pretty good so I'm picking him to reach the final we're short on time but I'm just going to throw some breaking news in there um Gerard Piquet's pulled out of the Davis Cup which doesn't sound like a set of words I would ever say but uh, the ITF have announced that the Cosmos partnership to run the Davis Cup, um, which is what kind of birth the Davis Cup finals is gonna end uh after twenty twenty three. So God knows what the Davis Cup will look like next year. Uh, much to talk about. I think it'll be um it'll be good good to chat. Uh right, finally, top of the draw, Rafa Nadal, who we've discussed a little bit. He's also got Yoshihita Nishioka who is seeded at a slam, which I can't quite believe. Uh, Karen Hatchoff and Francis TfO. I'm gonna put this out there francis tfo section to lose yeah he's got a good chance i i still would put
3: caution against betting against nadal on the basis it's not the world's strongest draw i think draper's a really tough first round for him but the rest of that he he'll be fairly happy with and if there's one thing we know about nadal if you dare let him grow in past the third fourth round, he'll, he'll he'll fancy his chances of going the whole way so yeah
1: I'd, I'd still lean towards him at the moment, to be honest. Uh, Calvin, do, do you feel the same way?
2: I, I'd, no, I'd favour TFO, like you said. I think TFO will mm. come through that. Uh, which um, would give us... Beating Draper Being Draper, I think.
1: It would give us a really um, nice set of quarterfinals, if things go as we expect. TFO versus Medvedev. Uh, Sinner versus Felix. Rublev or Rune, we're not quite sure who's coming out of that, against Djokovic... Fritz against either Berrettini or Rude. I mean, that would be a blockbuster set of quarterfinals. So, a really intriguing draw. We have run out of time because it's incredibly busy and that's the Australian Open for you, but... Please do leave us a rating and review. Tell your friends that the name has changed. I know some people who listen on Spotify have been having some problems with the name change, so I apologise if you've lost us. Um, Make sure you unlike and re-like the podcast. That's my best piece of advice. Uh, But most importantly, one way or another, make sure you come
2: back next week.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.